No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we return to the book of Isaiah, where we see Israel continuing her futile idolatry. But God will comfort and heal those who are contrite. We hope you join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Isaiah chapter 57 on Simply the Bible. Isaiah 57 is a chapter of contradictions. We see God taking home the righteous before things get too bad. Then we see the unfaithfulness of God's people in going after other gods. But we also see God's heart of healing and revival for those who are contrite. Those who trust in the Lord will inherit the earth, but there is no peace for the wicked. Isaiah chapter 57. The righteous perishes, and no man takes it to heart. Merciful men are taken away. While no one considers that the righteous is taken away from evil, he shall enter into peace. They shall rest in their beds, each one walking in his uprightness. The righteous people were dying, but nobody was taking it to heart. God took them to spare them from the evil that was coming. Is that something we even consider? I think of all the people who have died over the past two years since the beginning of the pandemic. Have we even considered that God may have spared them from a greater evil to come? We know that the great tribulation will be coming upon the entire world. And concerning the last days, Jesus told his disciples in Luke 21, 36, Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. There are times when God taking his home is the very best thing that could happen. Now, the Lord said that the upright would enter peace and rest. Now, we can worry about our loved ones passing from this life, but if they are in Christ, then they will enter peace and rest. They will rise again at the resurrection. We have been called into the way of perfect peace and the rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Verse 3, But come here, you sons of the sorceress, you offspring of the adulterer and the harlot. Whom do you ridicule? Against whom do you make a wide mouth and stick out the tongue? Are you not children of transgression, offspring of falsehood, inflaming yourselves with gods under every green tree, slaying the children in the valleys under the clefts of the rocks? Among the smooth stones of the stream is your portion. They, they are your lot. Even to them you have poured a drink offering. You have offered a grain offering. Should I receive comfort in these? Now the Lord speaks to the family of harlotry. There were those in Israel who were practicing idolatry. They had abandoned their covenant to God. Their mother is a prostitute. Their father is an adulterer. There is both a spiritual and physical aspect to this infidelity. They inflamed themselves in lust with foreign gods and their idols. They worshiped Baal and Ashtoreth. These were the Canaanite gods of fertility. Since they lived in an agrarian society, 
fertility was everything. So they worshipped Baal to ensure a good crop and productive flocks and herds. The worship of these false gods involved prostitution among the evergreen trees. The idea was that as the gods observed their sexual relations, they would be stimulated to bless them with bumper crops and healthy and reproductive livestock. But it was all a sham. Then the worship of Molech, the god of the Ammonites, involved child sacrifice. So God refers to the slain of children in the valleys. We find this practice unthinkable, horrible, savage. Yet, don't people in our own culture do the same thing through abortion? I mean, when does human life begin anyway? What heartbeat is it that people are looking at when they view the ultrasound? They would also try to hide their adulterous practices under the clefts of rocks, but God saw it all. They would take smooth stones from a riverbed and carve them into gods that they worshipped. So was there any comfort for God as he watched his wife Israel prostitute herself with these foreign gods? Verse 7, On a lofty and high mountain you have set your bed, even there, you went up to offer sacrifice. Now, we just got back from Israel, and we went to Mount Carmel, where you get a, an amazing view of Israel. But also there on Mount Carmel was where Elijah had the contest with the prophets of Baal. And they would often go to the high places to offer their sacrifices to these foreign gods. Verse 8, also behind the doors and your posts, you have set up your remembrance. Now, God told them in the law that they were to put his commandments on their doors and posts that they would be reminded of God's commandments. But instead, behind their doors and posts, they had set up their remembrance of their idols. For you have uncovered yourself to those other than me and have gone up to them. You have enlarged your bed and made a covenant with them. You have loved their bed where you saw their nudity. Again, all of this is speaking of spiritual adultery, but they were also practicing sexual immorality physically with the temple prostitutes as part of their religious rites of these foreign gods. You went to the king with ointment and increased your perfumes. You sent your messengers far off and even descended to Sheol. So part of this was also them reaching out to the other kings of other nations rather than to the Lord. And so they would adopt their gods, but they were also seeking to make treaties with these other nations. You are wearied in the length of your way. You did not say there is no hope. You have found the life of your hand. Therefore, you were not grieved. So even though these things were not working out for them, it wasn't helping them, their situation was not getting better, they were wearing themselves out with their adulterous practices, and yet they did not come to that place of sorrow and repentance. Verse 11, And of whom have you been afraid or feared that you have lied? and not remembered me, nor taken it to your heart? Is it not because I have held my peace from of old that you do not fear me? 
And this is often the problem where people will misinterpret God's patience with them as his approval or that he doesn't care. But in fact, he does care and he doesn't approve of evil deeds. But he said, because I held my peace, then you did not fear me. I will declare your righteousness and your works, for they will not profit you. So they were perhaps hoping in their own works to justify them. God said, I will declare what your works are. I know what your works are, but they will not profit you at all. And that will be the case for anybody that seeks to rely upon his or her own works. When God declares them, they will not justify them. They will be of no profit to them whatsoever before the judgment seat. When you cry out, let your collection of idols deliver you. But the wind will carry them all away. A breath will take them. They put all of their trust in their idols, their great collection that they had amassed. But when the storm came, they would do them no good at all. They would just be carried away in the tempest. But he who puts his trust in me shall possess the land and shall inherit my holy mountain. And that is why we are told throughout scripture to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. If we will trust in him, then God will take care of us and we will inherit the land. Verse 14, and one shall say, heap it up, heap it up, prepare the way, take the stumbling block out of the way of my people. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So there would be those who would prepare the way. We're talking here about the way of holiness. They would take the stumbling block out of the way of the people. I think of King Josiah, who would actually go to the high places and break them down and break down the sacred images and clear the way for there to be a national revival. God said that there are two places where he dwells. One is in heaven, but the other place is that God chooses to dwell with those who are contrite in spirit, with the humble. In fact, if we would humble ourselves before the presence of the Lord, then we would make our hearts his throne. If we would desire to see revival in ourselves, in our churches, in our valley, in our nation, then it begins at that place of personal contrition, humility. Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. And this, in fact, is the place where revival begins. For I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry, for the spirit would fail before me, and the souls which I have made for the iniquity of his covetousness, I was angry and struck him. I hid and was angry, and he went on backsliding in the way of his heart. Now, it's a good thing that God's anger does not last forever. Relatively speaking, it is but for a moment. Because if it continued, then the spirit of man would fail before God. Who could stand up to God's wrath? But he said, I struck him for the iniquity of 
his covetousness. We see this in mankind. People become greedy. They take advantage of others. They rob others and sacrifice everything for their own welfare and don't care who they injure to get what they want. And for these things, God says, I struck him. But he went on backsliding. Even though God struck him with judgment, he didn't learn the lesson. I have seen his ways and I will heal him. I will also lead him and restore comforts to him and to his mourners. I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him who is far off and to him who is near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. Now, this is the amazing thing to me. Here we have somebody who is greedy, who takes advantage of other people. God has poured out his judgment upon them, and yet he turns around and heals them. There is no explanation for this except for the amazing grace of God, who then declares peace, peace to those who are far off and to those who are near. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. As I said, this chapter is a chapter of contradictions. Judgment for those who are wicked, but peace and healing and mercy for the contrite in heart. To those who trust in the Lord, they will inherit the land. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify and please leave us a review. Tomorrow we will see where the Lord tells Isaiah to tell the people that their fasting is false. Here is the fasting that pleases God, and the faithful will be abundantly blessed. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Isaiah on Simply the Bible.